This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. We are continuing still our list of 350 good questions to ask from Conversation startersworld.com i don't actually know whether this website still exists at this point we may have outlived (laughs) the original list we're continuing nonetheless with number 311 what weird potato chip flavor that doesn't exist would you like to try Mm, and i'm going to because that's tricky to tie into line dance i am going to also add a little twist and say if this potato chip flavor were the kind like from Alice in Wonderland that could give you some kind of ability within the line dance world, what would that be? Like how in Alice in Wonderland, they had the eat me and drink me shrinking and growing potion things. Thoughts? My first thought was Mac and cheese. (laughs) Because I don't think that that one exists yet. Because they come up with some pretty interesting flavors in general. Um, So I'd be intrigued at their notion of that. Um, But I was trying to tie it into line dance when you switched it up on me. And so my brain had to switch modes and it is now stalling. (laughs) So, your turn. Ah. <laughs> um. Weird potato chip flavor that doesn't exist. See, now the thing that I've learned from eating vegan in these last several, several weeks is that I am more for things of a food nature that are what they say that they are. So, I will eat celery that is celery and apples that are apples. But when I try something that's a vegan alternative of something that's trying to be it my body can detect that something is off. Even if it's close, there have been shredded cheeses, cheeses in quotation marks, that I've enjoyed, but I still know that they're not dairy cheese. The simulated meats are weird, so I mostly just stay away from those at this point. So to flavor sliced and fried potatoes with something odd that doesn't exist kind of goes against my preference for things that are natural. So then I thought, well, what would go on a chip in general? Like, what would you normally put on it? Like, that is the thing that's a seasoning. Salt, pepper, barbecue sauce. Well, they have those for chips already. So... Maybe some kind of powdered fruit. I like sweet things. And if it's a real actual fruit, like apple chips are a thing that already exists, so it doesn't have to be powdered apples. Same thing with banana. Yeah, banana chips are just dried bananas. So it would have to be something that wouldn't normally be made into a chip on its own and would instead be applied to a potato and make it somehow better. So maybe like, actually, you know, maybe seaweed chips could be interesting because seaweed on its own, I love, it's just delicious, but it's also so thin, it kind of dissolves. So to make a chip out of it, go ahead. They sell seaweed chips at Costco. Seaweed chips? 
interesting. Well, gosh, I don't know what else. So, yes on that idea. <laughs> All right, you know what I'm going to say is, um, it doesn't exist, multivitamin potato chips. And it doesn't even matter what is in the multivitamin compound as long as it's plant-based and vegan, and then I have one thing fewer to remember to do during the day. I don't have to remember to eat my vitamins. I can just have my chips. Uh, that goes for protein. Also, maybe some kind of protein-powdered potato chip. There are so many different flavors of protein powder. If they could coat a chip with it and you get your protein in that way, that could be interesting. As far as line dance, mm, potato chip flavor, maybe some weird one where your head doesn't move up and down, but it's like level the way pageant people are taught to keep their head level. So when you eat this chip, then for 15 minutes, your body is moving all over the place, but your head is steady like a chicken. I don't know if anybody has seen the videos online of a chicken being held and its body moving around um, while its head stays stationary in space. It's amazing. Chickens are very talented. Yeah, so I think I would I would like to try that, just a level level head. And then if somebody ever says to you, like, hey, man, you need to learn how to keep a level head, you just munch on your chips and stare at them. <laughs> you ready for number 312? Yes. Great. Number 312, what's the silliest thing you've convinced someone of? I don't know if I try to convince people of silly things. Line dance-wise. Oh, well, okay. This is something I kind of convinced myself of, actually, at first. People would ask, you know, what's your background in dance? And I would just, in line dance, I'd just think, oh, well, uh, I started in the country bars, and that was, oh, about 2009, 10. And that's where I would leave it. That's where I would consider my dance journey to have started. And then people sometimes would ask, did you have any dance background before that? And I said, well, not for line dance. I, that's really where I started as far as you know learning watermelon crawl and copperhead and all that and then just turned into this whole event event and circuit scene and then i forget until somebody asks more specifically have you taken like tap or jazz did you do anything as a kid then i remember oh well if you go back far enough i did have some background from like the ages of i don't even know around three to nine or ten before my dance studio shut down so I guess the silly thing here is that I had no training in how to keep rhythm or match music prior to dancing country line dances in a country bar. That would have been, if that if that had been where I first started dancing of any kind, then that I guess would be kind of remarkable. Um, but when it when you when you look back at the beginning, it makes a little more sense. Some of those basic things were taught to me. So it would be silly to think that it just, you know, somehow from the bars made it easy for me to dance like Skinny Love or People Help the People or any of those very pretty dances. That might be one. Otherwise, I don't really try to convince people of silly things that aren't true. I was really, really trying to figure out because I'm sure I've had some quote-unquote silly things that I've tried to convince people of and 
I certainly helped the belief um, towards the traditional figments. I'm trying to not ruin anything for maybe potential listeners that are of the youth persuasion. Um, in my younger brother around, you know, the holidays kind of things. Are, and are those the winter holidays? Stuff like that, yeah. December-ish? That's one of them. There's, I mean, there's there's more. There's the, there's a whole year full of them. Um, so I guess you could say something like that as, you know, can be silly and fun in a sense. Um, but one of the things that came to mind that was somewhat in line dance was very, very early on, and even now to this day, there's still a few times that I invoke my proper Guyton Monday phrase, fake it till you make it. That was kind of the closest thing that I would say, like that I knew what I was doing, and I didn't. I just figured it out as I was going along. And then once I was done, I asked people for feedback and went, that's how you do it. Okay, I'll fix that next time. Or if I'm lucky enough to have five, 10 minutes before I have to do something, asking someone who already knows how to do it, um, how to do it. That's another thing I've done. But uh, early, early, early on, it was a total... um, convince people that I knew what I was doing when I didn't have a clue. Something else you reminded me of is how we used to teach some of the students at the Sonoma State Rec Center for Sonoma State Land Dance Club. And I don't know if this would be silly exactly, if you if you would consider it silly, but maybe from, from an outside perspective someone else might. Generally, one teaches a beginner beginner dances. And <laughs> And then as they go on, they get into more complex and longer counted dances. And somehow we were able to convince people, oh, no, you'll like this one. Go ahead and just let's look at the first eight counts. You'll be fine. And not tell them that it's 64 counts, a lot of syncopation, maybe even phrased. Because we think it'll be fine. So if we don't tell them that there's going to be anything more to it than just learning one step after another, then they'll be convinced of that. And somebody else knowing this, watching from the outside, might think, no, there's no way, they're not going to get that dance, they're a beginner. And it might seem silly, but you know, we've convinced the, the students in our groups uh, over the past several semesters that they can learn anything. All they have to do is take the, the, the chunks as they come, make sure they've got them, and then move on to the next ones. That's it, simple as that. That's definitely the truth. Um, Yes, beginner dances are easier to teach and easier to remember in a short-term thing. But I know that one of our students, brand new to line dancing, her first dance I taught her was Darren Bailey's Rhythm Inside. The second one was Second Time Around. So it is quite possible to teach a beginner more advanced dances it's just a matter of convincing them that they're not going to have any any problems in the sense of the they can't do it it's just 
you're going to struggle in spots and we'll just make sure to take this nice and slow and lots and lots of repetition. I mean, I think both of those dances were done at least bi-weekly for two, if not three weeks for review sake purposes. But for the most part, they remembered them afterwards on top of that. So it's a matter of taking it nice and slow, one step at a time and uh, repetition and it's not quite as silly at that point. But yes, in a quick sense, teaching a brand new line dancer, you know, intermediate to advanced dances could be considered silly. Number 313, how much do you think names affect the outcomes of people's lives? They can be troublesome um, if especially in the line dance world, if there's already one of those people, like how are you going to break in as a Michelle when there's already Michelle Burton or Michelle Perone or Michelle uh, Risley versus, you know, going in as a Guyton. <laughs> you're probably going to be the only one, so you're fine. Um, I mean, I typically introduce myself as Christopher, and we already have a Chris Watson in Australia, so being Christopher, I think, is helpful. Um, like Roy, Roy Verdonk and Roy Hedisabroto, uh, Roy Hedisabroto, a lot of times people will refer to them as Big Roy or Little Roy or um, some other nickname for either of them. But you need one of those because everyone else is on a first-name basis as an instructor. There's Joey. That's just Joey. There's Rachel. And if another Rachel comes along, you'll have to specify who that Rachel is because the first Rachel is Rachel. That is like the Rachel. Kind of like how Jamie Marshall is the Jamie Marshall. You know, when you're the first of your name in this world, um, you kind of have a claim on it. If you're anyone else to come afterward, the outcome of your line dance life might be affected, as the question asks. Um, other than that, if you have a name that's difficult to spell intuitively, you may end up with a lot of people putting an S instead of a Z, for example, in Gonzalez. Or if you're a Rachel with an A-E versus a regular just C-H-E-L, then you'll you'll have a lot of those conversations with people over several, several decades. And unless your name is like Ben or something, um, you're probably going to have to explain the spelling of your name to at least one person um, over time. Like even you. You'd think Megan would be e easy enough, but there's M-E-G-H... A N maybe M E G E N M E G yeah Y N M E G Y N could could be a thing. What are your thoughts on this question? I don't know if I've actually put a whole lot of thought process into names affecting the outcome, as in a personal human name. However, I can certainly say names of dances are critical. Uh, it's very difficult to look at certain dances and some of them are great, great and nice and easy and they match the dance title uh, the dance name with the song name so it's easy to remember then you have other ones that switch it up completely some of them take lyrics out of the song and 
how do you stand out when there's 12 others on copper knobs named the same same you know it's just it's hard in that sense so then you look at certain things along the lines of well if I start mine with an A or a B and theirs starts with an M then mine's going to be seen quote unquote first on copper I mean there's there's a lot of things I've heard uh, for a while there uh, we noticed a trend of three words as titles for the really popular ones I mean there's a there's a lot into that that I think does affect the outcome because if your name if the name of the dance is hard to remember then people are going to forget it as well as I certainly notice as working in a bar venue people will come up and ask for the song and there could be you know 20 different dances done to that song because that might just be a song that you've song switched dances to so there's certain dances I know that have come about just simply because they were done to a certain song and I'll be one of the first people to admit I was one of those naive people that thought that that was the dance that was done and I had no concept of copper knob or line dance or web or kick it or any step sheets or choreographers like that in my little world that did not happen it did not exist so I can certainly see how names can actually affect the outcome in the long run um, in that sense. Yeah, you mentioned the three-word thing and a couple other little sneaky things that if anyone's taking notes in their car very unsafely with their pencil on the driving uh, steering wheel, um, if I guess if you're, if you're writing on your steering wheel, it's going to be harder to take that inside and copy to your computer. So maybe just take a picture of it once it's written. Anyway, um, the three-word thing that we noticed a lot of involved a verb and maybe even a command. So an example of that might be chase that dollar, where you're saying do this thing, like, which actually is, is another dance, uh, do that thing by uh, Jackie Miranda. It grabs attention because it's an imp- it, it is an imperative statement. It is saying, do this thing, chase that dollar. And also, as you mentioned, it is from the song. So one kind of rule of thumb um, when you're listening to a song and trying to come up with a name for it is, what could the song be titled if it didn't have the name that it did? The song is expensive. That's that's the name of the track itself. And they say chase that dollar only once in the entire song, but when you hear it as the title of the dance, it makes sense because that also captures the theme of of the the lyrics where she's saying, you know, you don't have to buy my love with money. Um, you've been taught to chase that dollar and et cetera. If you just pick three random words, like you said, it's going to be hard to remember that. And if you pick the name of the song itself, expensive, that could be so many other things. Um, when we were coming up, when Rachel and I were coming up with the name dip to the base for 
the song moves, so many other dances could be called moves, and it's a single word title. Uh, definitely check to see whether another dance already has that name. And as you were saying, sometimes putting it alphabetically earlier can help uh, when you're you know, hoping that somebody just stumbles upon it while looking up uh, dances for that song. Uh, but dip to the bass is another imperative. Uh, the way your hips you know, dip to the bass, uh, it, it captures what he's talking about. It's a song about dancing. So there's a verb that could be used as a command. You should dip to the bass when the bass hits in the music. Um, but it's kind of, in a way, too many words because there are four. That can be hard. Uh, also, avoid starting with the word something or someone because there are so many dances that we've stumbled upon over time. Like somewhere in my car, somewhere with you, somebody like you. I think there's probably like a nobody nobody but you or something like that. The, the, um, what was the Amy one, the waltz? Nothing. Nothing without you. Nothing but you by Darren. So if you have something or someone or nothing or no one, that can be tricky. There are a lot of those out there. And if you have my or your, that's going to be difficult as well. Uh, I, I found that uh, to be the case with backing your heart. Sometimes people think maybe it's backing my heart. Uh, and it's easy to get them mixed up. And all you have to do is mistake it once to feel discouraged from reteaching that dance. You want to make it as easy as possible for people to remember and feel good about the title of your dance. Because if they have an ooh, just that little mm moment with their face, bottom of the pile. Uh, oh yeah, and as you mentioned, not naming it the song keeps it from being one of however many other dances there are. So that when somebody asks, hey, do you know Can't Stop the Feeling? Yeah, which one do you do? Because Uptown Funk came to mind. Yeah, Uptown Funk, Wagon Wheel. Some of these just explode when they hit the scene. Uh, oh, and punctuation. Avoid. I mean, I've I've heard mixed reviews on this. I've heard some. Uh, at least one choreographer has said it differentiates their dance name to change one of the words to something not intuitive, like changing the word "you," y-o-u, to the letter "u." Uh, or the, the word 2, T-O, to the number 2. Now that might seem like it makes it unique and special and different and sets it apart on a list, but that's hard to look up online. People won't want to be told or have to tell their students every time, okay, yeah, it's da-da-da-da, but change the word this to that. It's so much easier to just say, fall for you. Look up the word fall, for, and you. Not the letter U, not the number 4. Fall for you. <laughs> that easy. Uh, and also don't use necessarily uh, overly complicated punctuation or symbols because that can also make it difficult for search engines. Sometimes, depending on the search engine, Copper Knob used to be this way, I don't know if they fixed it, if you mess up one little apostrophe or exclamation point, the whole search gets thrown out and it'll say, no search results. They haven't fixed it? Oh, well. Google is a very robust search engine. So if you met, if you mistake something on the Google homepage, maybe it'll find 
what you were looking for as a copper knob result that comes toward the top. But if you do it on copper knob itself, it needs to be like letter for letter, symbol for symbol, what is on that step sheet. So for a dance like fairy tales and love songs, dot, 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 whatever, exclamation, exclamation, you need to remember how many of everything uh, will go into that. I believe my rule of thumb for Yeehaw by Simon Ward was that there were five E's and five A's and two exclamation points because you have five fingers on your left hand, five fingers on your right hand, and you have two hands. So that's how I, I would tell my students at Twin Oaks or Hot Monk to look up yeehaw with five E's, five A's, and two exclamation points. Uh, there's a dance by Rob Fowler. Oh, damn. Yes, that's followed by five exclamation points. And I, I don't think I've ever had to say this one to anyone because I don't teach it. But if I had to, I would do a similar thing with the hand. Like when you slap your hand on the bar counter and you say that word, you have five fingers on your hand. Maybe that would help somebody. But I write it down. When, when we go to the bars and I write down all the dances, I write it down with five exclamation points every time because that's how it's written on the step sheet on Comparnob. So yeah, with punctuation, it's difficult to be precise. But if you just omit it completely, your life will be easier. Anyway, those are some of our tips for naming dances so that their uh, the outcome of their natural lives will not be negatively affected. Number 314. What product or service is way more expensive than it needs to be? Choosing a seat on an airplane. I know that not every airline does this, but some of them really nickel and dime you. And they know that that can be prime real estate for people who want their window seat or want their aisle seat, so they can charge you for it. But it doesn't need to be that expensive. You could just do it like Southwest and, you know, get there early and sort of a meritocracy. Yeah. Uh, other than that, line dance related, I'll have to give that a moment of thought. I'll pass it to you in a minute. Oh, I have another one. Dance floor. It's wood. It's flat wood. Can we just get some cheap flat wood? Because I want to dance and I can't go to events right now. I'm assuming you mean at home. No, it just in general. Like to find to find a flat, smooth, danceable surface. I've been looking since I think 2013. That was before I started going to events. I just wanted to dance in a backyard or find like an open lot and put it out there and like staple the boards together. But it's kind of expensive. Linoleum is cheap, but it's sticky. Gotcha. Um. Oh dear. You covered the the flight thing. I was thinking that as well and that was my closest thing to line dance related. The other thing that I was thinking is way more expensive than it needs to be are cell phones. Because they can charge you more for your cell phone than they do laptops nowadays, which is kind of bananas to me. So that was that was the other thing. Hmm. Is there anything else that is charged for that's more expensive than needs? I think that events charge fairly because they need to pay their staff. And sometimes these staff people do it full time. So they need to make a living wage for you know three or four days of work versus a full week because they can't work on a Wednesday. Who's going to go to that event unless it's like Vegas or something? Um, 
what else does one buy? I mean, oh, 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 oh. Hotel gift shop food, especially when it's healthy and you would rather be eating that than chips. It's so expensive. And you you pay for it because you don't want to you know, pass out from malnutrition. But it would be nice if they could find... I mean, it's hard to do this when you're like a major chain. You can't do this everywhere. But if they could just find like some farmer's market box or some kind of produce and just have it shipped there every week so that the crazy health nut people who want to eat real food that grows on a tree, like us... Um, they can have that and they don't have to buy something that was sitting in a box that was shipped overseas and is only partly actual food and is flavoring the rest of the way and has disposable packaging that's going to stay in a hole for the next 200 years. Yeah, that, that is more expensive than it needs to be, I think. Healthy food at events. And if I were running an event, I think I would go out of my way to make those options available even if the hotel doesn't. Because people got to eat something. Not everybody wants to go to the restaurant. Not everybody wants to drive to Walmart and an Uber like us. So I, I think it would be helpful um, for that to be made more available. Inexpensive, healthy, nourishing food at events. Oh, you know what? And at bars. Because we, we have definitely been to bars where your vegan option is hopefully french fries if you don't ask too much about what the oil is. Um, or like iceberg lettuce because... They use that in their um, obligatory salad. Or water. Ice water. Vegan ice water. <laughs> I am able to order onion rings at Stoney's Rock and Rodeo because I asked what was in them and it was pretty much flour, salt and pepper, and uh, there was an, oh, garlic. And so it was just, it was very basic stuff. So I was very relieved about that. Yep, they're very accommodating. I highly recommend them. They're in Sacramento, <laughs> California. All right. Number 315, what's the shadiest thing you've seen someone do? And, you know, we've talked about this before with uh, these super negative-sounding questions, and I'm going to pass it to Megan to find a way to flip this because she's been very good about these in the past. Again, the original question is, what's the shadiest thing you... Oh, no, oh, I've got one. Amy and Darren and Fred choreographing Shady. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> That's kind of fun, actually. I was wondering where you're going with that when you started name dropping. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I was already on the switching it around side, but that was a pretty creative answer. So I don't know. I mean, you can switch it to what's the kindest thing or most honest thing. Just completely flip Shadius with its counterpart that you've seen someone do. Most honorable or with the greatest of integrity. And generally speaking, shocker, here's my name drop. Joe Thompson Zemanski doing pretty much anything. Uh, she really takes it to the next level. I admire her to the moon and back and back again, simply because she not only thinks what more can I do, but then she acts on it. And I've seen her do everything from dancing in all 
parts of the floor, the front, the back, the sides, the corners. I've seen her leaning walls. I've seen her in the beginner room. I've seen her in the all request room. I've seen her in the main room. I've seen her, you know, stay up late. I've seen her have the early morning, you know, leading the praise dance classes and stretches. And I've, I've seen her with her fun outfits and so I think she just embodies grace and honor in a way that is absolutely admirable. I would say anytime event directors give you a refund for whatever reason, as opposed to just keeping your money, uh, that is honorable and not shady. Uh, when bars, when country bars uphold the rules of whatever the rules are stated to be, and don't try to cut corners. When they, when they take care of the little things that you would think could probably go unnoticed, like, oh, they totally could have gotten away with not doing this or that, or nobody saw them do this thing under the counter, but I saw, and, and they didn't have to clean that thing, and other people might not, but they knew that it was the right thing to do, so they did it. And... I don't really go to a lot of country bars, so I'm just going to give another shout out to Stoney's Rock and Rodeo for upholding all sorts of uh, health, health conscious and health friendly uh, rules during this time in our nation and world. Yeah, they're keeping us safe. Number three sixteen. What was the last situation where some weird? Okay, I'm looking at grammatically, this is a very long sentence. I'll add a couple words to it. What was the last situation you experienced where some weird stuff went down and everyone acted like it was normal and you weren't sure if you were crazy or everyone around you was crazy? Probably Simon in the fire pit at uh, Vegas Dance Explosion. That's the first one that comes to mind. And maybe also oops upside your head at Windy City. It was the first time I had seen that ever at, at a line dance event and I didn't know why we were all sitting on the floor <laughs> but I went with it and I loved it and it made sense for line dancers to do it and if you're not sure what it is ask Julie Dixon on Facebook uh, or maybe either of us um, looks like Megan has a thought so I guess I'll just keep it to those um, also I'm just going to give a, a, a shout out to Simon additionally for Simon Says at Windy City first time I saw that like I just had to accept that this is happening now and that this is what we're doing, but really took me off guard. I'm going to just simply state every line dance ever uh, simply because of the fact it's always one of those things where if you look outside of it, you start wondering if you've, you're the crazy one or if they're the crazy one and so after a certain point you drink the Kool-Aid you're just you're in the club uh you had mentioned to uh oops at your side your head the two big ones that come to me is Tootie Ta and Baby Shark those are the two big ones for me that I remember looking at at it going what is going on right now I am not entirely sure, but I'll go with it because why not? So yeah, that, that would be my response. Yep. Weird stuff went down. Everyone acted like it was normal. 
Maybe also the first time I saw Chill Factor done sped up. Um, do something crazy, but it's built right into the title, so they already knew that Dancing with a Towel was a little odd. Uh, mirrors, the dance mirrors, where you aren't just doing the same steps as the person across from you in Contra, but you have your own part, either the A part or the B part. I remember thinking that was like, what? You can do that? There are a lot of dances like that where things happen and you just don't know that that's allowed until someone does it and then a whole room full of people do it and you just say, okay, my world has expanded today. Tutting in line dancing. Major hand movements in line dancing. I think the first time I saw it, I don't even remember which dance it was, but the first time I saw a actual hand part choreographed into the dance, I was a little confused because I came from the bars, and although I did not come from the hands on your belt buckle or in your your loops or you know that kind of I um, stereotype that we are all have all experienced as line dancers, but. I certainly did not come from a bar where we had a lot of arm choreography. Yep. Stomp Your Feet was one of my first with like really intricate hand movements. What was it Snake Snake in the Grass Runaway? Bah? Something like that? Snake, because you have the arm motions. We've mentioned it in previous episodes. Oh, yeah, that's Jamie's. I yep. was trying to remember whose that was. Oh, uh, number three, 17. What did you eat so much of that now you hate it? Canned fruit cocktail. Please see our previous episodes about, was it Big, Big Bang? Where we describe the fruit cocktail at length. Yours? I, I also hates a strong word, so I would just say I wouldn't go out and shop for it myself. Yeah, the fruit cocktail was the first thing that came to mind for an answer to this question however it was your experience not mine I did not have to eat all of those cans of fruit cocktail because I generally don't eat cans of fruit cocktail I think I might have had one or two to try and help you because I felt so bad for you (laughs) but uh food that I've eaten so I see again hate is a very strong word so I can certainly say that I have experienced certain things where I've eaten them and I will not go back to them anytime soon, but it looks like you had another light bulb moment. I had a thought in case you wanted to flip it, uh, maybe to your favorite line dance food that you couldn't get enough of and wished they had at the line dance lobby every day, every year. That was that pasta at Vegas. It was a shrimp pasta and at that time, I wasn't eating shrimp, so I kept giving you all the little shrimpies, and I would just eat the pasta, and it was amazing. So good. I got that pasta dish at least every lunch, if not twice in a day on a few days. It was so good. So, so, so good. So, yes, if we can figure out how to get that back at Vegas Dance Explosion, I will spend my money on that for jerseys. Although, I actually need to amend that because I don't know if it was vegan now that I say that. But, yes, you know, I can be wrong. 
it happens. So again, I don't know if I have something off the top of my head. I'd have to really, really think about what I've eaten so much of that now my stomach's like, don't even think about it. I'm sure there's plenty of things because I go through my phases. I can say that one food I have yet to get sick of and could probably eat it every single day is spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely um, not above eating canned spaghetti in the hallways at like Pike's Peak Line Dancer Bus because there's a Target right across the street. Uh, we've also done pudding cups, applesauce. I know that the DJ booth tends to end up with a lot of candy around it. Other than that, I'm trying to think what else tends to be at events in large quantities besides alcohol. <laughs> jello shots? I don't think we've ever really done a lot of jello shots at events. We typically don't really drink or cons- consume alcohol as a food at events. Um, there was the barbecue place we went to. Did you like overdo it on the barbecue at all? Did you get through your whole dish at Pike's Peak? No? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wanted more. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. Like maybe you just are very grateful for your line dance food, and we'll eat more of it. Well, let's see what's next. Number three eighteen. Wait a second. Hold on. Three seventeen. Before we completely abandon this question, is there any country bar food that maybe you've eaten too much of? Like you've just had that same meal there so many times that you can't do another fish and chips at the Grad or mac and cheese pizza at Mavericks or something like that. The, both of those places are closed, so like forever. But another example. Considering my friend now knew me for almost two years as Coors Light and French fries, I don't think that's an issue. Okay. <laughs> Number three eighteen. What are some of the dumbest lyrics you've heard in a song? Now I don't consider these dumb because I think they're kind of fun and very definitely country music but another person that i know who has listened to these lyrics thought it was just the anti-height of poetry to to say i don't know how you do what you do but it does what it oh is it i i don't know i don't know how you do what you do but you do what you do and it does what it does to me and that's from lauren elena's barefoot and Buckwild. Oh, and there's another one. Uh, I'll have to remember what song it's from. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll pull up the lyrics while you're saying yours because I, I know another one for me. I have to revisit the question because I got distracted. What are some of the dumbest lyrics you've heard in a song? Again, I have a hard time with words like stupid and dumb and hate. They're very strong, very not friendly obviously but uh i guess polarizing is a, it's a way for me to describe them i'm not really a fan of that i'm more of an inclusive kind of person but i do have to say i am quite shocked at how basic and yet it gets stuck in my head, Baby Shark is. There is not much to that song lyric-wise, and yet somehow I find myself singing it. It happens. 
Um, yeah, I do have to switch this around and say the probably the one artist that I am in most often awe of, although I don't particularly prefer the music itself, is Weird Al Yankovic. He can change things around like it's nobody's business, and it is quite impressive. Did you come up with the lyrics? Yep, and it's from a line dance song. The uh, the dance is um, yeah, the song is um, yeah. And this one's similar to the Lauren Elena, I don't know how you do what you do, but you do what you do, and it does what it does to me. So in the bridge of um, yeah, where he's saying, so tell me where you're from, where you want to go, but she walked past me like I ain't said a word, stood there like, man, girl, I don't usually feel some type of way, but this one hit me hard in some kind of place, like man. <laughs> yeah. That one jumps out every time I hear it. Quite the wordsmith. Indeed. Indeed. You can tell that a guy's really digging deep into his feelings when he feels some type of way that hits him hard in some kind of place. <laughs> Takes a lot of bravery to get that out. Yeah, those are the two that come to mind from Line Dance. Not sure that there are any other major ones. Oh, there was one that... Reverse, reverse. Let me pull up the lyrics for... I think Reverse by Sage the Gemini lyrics. Let's try that. Now, this one isn't a bad thing. It just caught me off guard. So uh, at the end of one of these verses, he says... um, So he's saying... And she write from her head to her heels. I'm on her mind like she forgot to pay her bills. And you can write if you keep it real. She want the pickle because she know the dill. Because dill pickles. Ah! I love that lyric. It's so weird in that song. It's He pauses right before he says dill and pronounces it that way. And I think he just enjoyed a moment to be silly in his own song of rap where he's telling this girl to throw it in reverse because he likes her posterior and you know i think there's another one um break the internet i forget who the 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 artist was for that break the internet break let me see um break the internet lyrics i'm pulling it up on my phone as we speak the thrill of live show you know, is actually recorded. And then you hear live in your car. He says, uh, oh, here it is. The, the, the entire verse here, he says, I got mo- more gold than a record label. I ain't just cool, y'all. I'm glacial. More Superman than Clark Gable. Wait, I mean Clark Kent. Who the hell is Clark Gable? Flank- frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Consider the web gone with the wind. The minute my video goes so viral, I'm going to have more green than Augusta in April. Even Ellen ain't going to want to be faithful. This guy made Gone with the Wind references in his rap song. And at first I was alarmed where he said um, the bit about, wait, I meant Clark Kent. Who the hell is Clark Gable? I thought he was like, whoa, this guy is so young and rappy and whatever that he's not paying attention to the classics. He's saying that they're bad and you shouldn't watch movies of that sort. And then he goes on to make all these clever references 
to the classic Clark Gable performance. And I, I just find that brilliant. So yeah, I guess that was me uh, flipping this question without even knowing that I was going to. Um, like that, that, that is one of the opposite of dumbest lyrics I've heard in a song. So one of the things that sparked while you were talking that it's not necessarily the dumbest, but certain lyrics or themes of songs have recently been painted in a new light for me because I have found a very, very talented vocalist, Sheena Milwani. And she has a ton of little videos and her father and she has her a hashtag for her dad, which is hashtag the real Indian dad comes in as she's singing and always interrupts her song and is always talking about something that's going on in the song about, you know, like, no, don't do that. That's illegal. You don't do that. That's silly. People don't like that. So it's brought certain lyrics into a new perspective for me when I'm listening to music now. And the videos are absolutely hilarious, and I highly, highly, highly recommend them. But just listening to certain songs as of late, I've kind of started to question what it is we're actually dancing to when we're moving. Because <laughs> some of them are, are very, very, very questionable lyrics. Oh, man. We could do entire episodes on like the cleverness of some of these songs, and especially when choreographers hit those clever things with clever movements number 319 where's the line between soup and cereal mm. okay also i'm gonna add an addendum for the the question um, show of hands if you think that a hot dog is a sandwich anyway go ahead what does that have to do with super cereal well it, it's a definitional thing there are two pieces of bread and a piece of meat but a hot dog is usually considered its own thing. Same thing with a hamburger. A hamburger is considered its own thing, but it's a meat sandwich. Somehow that gets its own definition. Like if you put ground beef between two pieces of sourdough, like is that a ground beef sandwich the way any other meat inside those, those slices would be a sandwich? Or is it now suddenly a hamburger because it is ground beef specifically that's in that quote sandwich and also when you take that ground beef and put it into little balls and put it between buns why is it now a meatball sandwich and now not a bald hamburger burger or whatever it would be otherwise it's all a little arbitrary my name my mind just started reeling about all the different ways i would classify sandwich and versus not and the question has nothing to do with sandwiches so i'm gonna leave that for a different situation and answer the soup cereal question for me one is typically hot the other is cold typically or meant to be eaten hot cereal generally i don't think of for instance oatmeal as cereal it is like you were saying with the hot dog its own thing uh, also gazpacho is a cold soup meant to be eaten cold but then again it's considered gazpacho it's not just like any old thing can be cold soup and be called gazpacho gazpacho is very specific yes generally i find that my cereals tend to be 
more of a grain and a uh, sweeter side uh, in the sense of even just, you know, whatever uh, granola I'm eating, I generally have it with almonds and with some type of flavoring in the actual grains. It's like French vanilla or I think there was a maple one or um, pecan or something in that field where it's a sweeter side. Whereas I most of the soups I prefer to eat, again, me, are more savory. I don't generally think of cereal as savory. So, and I don't generally think of soup as I want that sweetness. Um, there are some that are, are sweet, such as butternut squash, that I actually, I do enjoy, but I do find them to be a little bit too sweet almost for what I generally like to eat as a soup. Uh, with cereal and its etymology and name and all that, um, I'm here pulling up a little blurb from Google. Ceres was the Roman goddess of agriculture, grain, and the love a mother bears for her child. She was the daughter of Saturn and Ups, the sister of Jupiter and the mother, mother of Proserpine. Ceres was a kind and benevolent goddess to the Romans, and they had a common expression, fit for Ceres, which meant splendid. So I, I would say that, yes, I also agree with uh, associating cereal with grain, since Ceres is the <laughs> goddess of grain, in part. Uh, and then once we get into soup and being hot and savory, I then think about how the human body is supposed to be made of 70% water or something. And when you look at soups, which are mostly a liquid with some kind of chunks of whatever in them, are we soup <laughs> if we're mostly water? We're, we're liquid with a bunch of goop in between the, 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 the liquids. I'm going to go with no, but that's just a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have been accused of being sappy. I don't know that I have been accused of being soupy. <laughs> but, I mean, people have told me that I'm super. So, maybe maybe they just meant soupy. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> I broke Megan. Fortunately, we're getting toward an hour. So, you know, this kind of reminds me of, like, dances. Like, what's the line between, like, a West Coast versus cha-cha or whatever when sometimes, like, a dance might include both rhythms. So which one is it more of, one or the other? And the music might be a four-on-the-floor rhythm, so you really can't point to that and say, well, clearly it's one, two, and three, or one, two, three, and four, or one, and two, three, and four. You have a thought? Electric Church has that where it starts with a certain rhythm and then halfway through switches to a cha-cha rhythm. Yeah, see, that can be tricky. So for that, you'd probably have to ask the experts like Max Perry and uh, Peter Blaskowski and, of course, Rachel and Joe. and They would be able to tell you where the dividing lines are on these. Number 320, what word do you always mispronounce? <laughs> oh, I... Yeah, let's not even go there. There's too many... 
too many. I can say that I have fixed some over the years. One of the ones that I have been most proud of myself for fixing, sadly, it's very, very sadly, is espresso, not espresso. There's no X in it. So that would be one of the ones that I can openly admit that I know I use pronounce incorrectly and now have chosen to uh, correct that. There are so many others. Um, two things, two thoughts that I have on this. One, I remember hearing a while back, what is the word that most English speakers pronounce incorrectly? Incorrectly. So the word would be incorrectly, and they pronounce it as incorrectly. That is how they say the word incorrectly, is incorrectly. So they pronounce it incorrectly. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, in the line dance world, I have heard so many variations on Hedisubroto for Roy Hedisubroto. Um, that that one. I've, I've also heard Shemansky, I think, instead of Zemansky. Uh, McEnany, uh as opposed to McEnany. There, there are a lot of these that they can be kind of tricky. Anyway, you looked like you had a thought a moment ago. When you started doing last names, you can go with my last name gets pronounced incorrectly all the time because the G is silent. So How do you pronounce it correctly? Easiest way I tell people is bar sul ya and then just faster. <laughs> Other than that, in line dance, let's see. So what Oh, maybe maybe Botafogo, because I'm not sure I'm not sure that I'm saying that authentically because I've never heard it in the wild. I've only heard it in terms of like line dance lessons from an instructor who lives in Ireland. So I don't know. He's probably pronouncing it correctly, but all of his words sound a little Irish. So um, other than that, I don't know. I just generally don't have to pronounce that many words outside of the comfortable usual in line dance. Looks like we have another couple minutes. So what the heck, let's go for another three, two, one. What do you think? you do better than 90% of people pronounce the word correctly, correctly. That's not an answer. Try again. Oh, uh, well, in line dance. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. Hands down across the board throughout my life, coming up with analogies and metaphors on the spot. Yes, hands down. I will 100% back that. I don't know how many times I have looked at someone that I'm, you know, taking the lesson with being one of my friends and look at them and just, I don't know where he comes up with this stuff. And I think we've even had conversations where you're like, where you will say, I'm not even sure where that came from. It just came to me on the spot and it seemed to make sense. And I, you know, generally it pretty much describes exactly what you're trying to describe. As for me, I honestly don't know what I do better than 90% of the people because I don't like to essentially do that. Oh, um, you end up in the most interesting conversations at events. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is very true. All right. Well, 
for Line Dance Podcast. This has been Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. Thank you so very much for tuning in yet again. Until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.